1: In London, this is The Economist, with Tasting Menu, an enticing collection of our reporting and analysis from this week. I'm Anne McElvoy, Head of Economist Radio, and on our menu, electric vehicles pick up speed, the late greatness of artists, and a battle over Trump-brand toilets in China. But first, sex and science was our cover line this week. With advances in reproductive technologies, ways of reproducing without sexual intercourse are multiplying. Where there were once just test tube babies, soon there may be clones. Society should welcome such developments. Also, our cover leader argued. It used to be so simple. Girl met boy. Gametes were transferred through plumbing optimised by millions of years of evolution. Then, nine months later, part of that plumbing presented the finished product to the world. Things have got a bit more complicated these days. Last year, another practice was added, mitochondrial transplantation, or, as the headlines would have it, three-parent children. The world may soon face the possibility of eggs and sperm made from putative parents' body cells, probably their skin. Now, they're something to consider the next time we wash our hands. Developments in reproductive technologies are not always well-received, though. The idea of human cloning triggered a furore when, 20 years ago this week, Dolly the Sheep was revealed to the world. Much fuss about nothing, some would say, looking back. But other technological advances are making cloning humans steadily more feasible. And once this is possible, ethical questions will abound. Should bereaved parents be able to clone a lost child? Or a widow her departed husband? Should the wealthy be able to pay for their children to be intelligent and diligent if nobody else can afford to do so? We can't say that we'll have all the answers just yet, but to read more about advances in reproductive technologies and our analysis, do pick up this week's issue. Heading now to our Asia section, where the dust is settling after Turkmenistan's first contested elections. A clear victor has emerged, and there are no surprises, as an article suggested.
2: There are no dark horses in elections in Turkmenistan, only stalking horses. In a nine-way race, the incumbent, Gurbanguly Berti Mohamadov, took 98% of the vote. That was an improvement on 2012 when he pulled in a mere 97%.
1: It could be down to the flourishes of his campaign.
2: Mr Berti Mohamadov, a former dentist who styles himself Arkadag, the protector, threw himself into the campaign – crooning a song of his own composition to gas workers and doling out televisions to herdsmen in the desert.
1: Though there were some unsung aspects that might have had an impact too.
2: He also repressed all dissent with a concerted campaign of harassment against civil society activists and journalists, according to three human rights groups.
1: Well, we'll let you make up your own mind about that one. Over in our China section, there's another power struggle underway. And this time, it's between a successful toilet manufacturer and the President of the United States of America. Best let our article deal with the details.
2: China has a history of hilariously inappropriate export brand names, including Frontgate Men's Underwear, Long March Luggage and, guaranteed to raise a laugh, Great Leap Forward Floor Polish. A favourite in my household. But it has also stumbled on a brand that should surely open up vast business opportunities, at least among Democratic voting households in America, Trump brand toilets. As it happens, this is nothing more than coincidence. The name has nothing to do with the 45th president. Shunjun Trump Industries was founded in 2002. The firm makes toilets for high-end spas, hotels and public institutions and uses the world's first continuous rewinding toilet sanitary cover device. Its boss says that Trump toilets are used 100 million times a year in China. But this success story could be stopped short as Mr Trump wrestles back ownership of the name. It is one of many Chinese products unrelated to the American president that use the word Trump. In 2006, Mr Trump applied in China for ownership of it as a trademark in construction services. Alan Garten, the chief legal officer of his company, the Trump Organization, told The Washington Post that someone was improperly squatting on his firm's rights.
1: We move on tastefully to our finance podcast, Money Talks where we explored the possibilities of banking jobs being flushed out of Britain. Since the Brexit vote, barely a week has gone by without some rumour of a financial institution planning to take its workers out of London. Many European cities welcome the idea. Our banking editor, Patrick Lane, picked through the hearsay to assess the size of the potential exodus.
0: If you look at what the cities themselves are talking about, well, in Frankfurt they reckon on 10,000, which to me, sounds surprisingly small in a way. Paris, talk about 10,000 jobs directly. Maybe another 20,000 might follow in ancillary services. And of course, rival cities can't both get the same jobs. So it's really not clear yet, but banks just need to get prepared.
1: Preparation was the word in our science and technology podcast, Babbage, this week. We explored how mobile phones are facilitating migration to Europe and how technology is helping authorities to manage the flow too. But as our Europe correspondent Emma Hogan argued, without proper consideration as to how the internet could best be used,
2: education opportunities are being missed. There's some schemes in camps in Jordan and so on where they're trying to use connectivity to help people learn or to do online courses. But as a whole, that doesn't seem to be happening. So you're creating people who are are stuck in camps, uh, who are losing out several years of education.
1: So governments could do more to harness the potential of the migrant situation, we thought. But elsewhere this week, we praised one industry that's seizing on technological change. As an article in our business section reported, electric vehicles are gaining ground on their
2: dirtier counterparts. The high-pitched whirr of an electric car may not stir the soul like the bellow and growl of an internal combustion engine, or ICE but to compensate electric motors give even the humblest cars explosive acceleration. And it's full steam ahead, as it were, for electric cars. Electric cars are similarly set for rapid forward thrust. Improving technology and tightening regulations on emissions from ICEs is about to propel electric vehicles, or EVs, from a niche to the mainstream. After more than a century of reliance on fossil fuels, however, the route from petrol power to volts will be a tough one for carmakers to navigate.
1: Nonetheless, various producers have been revving up positive rhetoric.
2: Ford has promised 13 new electrified cars in the next five years. Others are making bigger commitments. Volkswagen, the world's biggest carmaker, said last year that it would begin a product blitz in 2020 and launch 30 new battery-powered models by 2025. For companies to shift gears into this new era of production may be expensive, but it's absolutely necessary. EVs are simpler mechanically and require less equipment and fewer workers to assemble them. But carmakers first face a transition that will hit cash flow and profits. Getting ready for an electric race will be painful, but missing it altogether would be disastrous. We're all on the way to becoming antique models
1: one way or the other, and our books and art section explored the undeniable artistic prowess that comes in the later years of a life.
0: Out, out, brief candle. As life nears its end, thoughts can acquire urgent clarity. This truth is more perceptible among some artists than others. Novelists, for example find endless ways of disguising it. But it is so evident among playwrights, composers and visual artists that late style has become an accepted critical concept.
1: A couple of examples, if you can open your mind's eye for a moment.
0: Look at Goya's black paintings, the most famous of which is Saturn devouring his son. No falling off in technical mastery there, but a view of humanity which is visionary in its hellishness,
1: Or consider the paintings which Van Gogh made during his days in the asylum at Saint-Rémy.
0: Such as The Olive Trees, from 1889. Observation has given way to a celebratory stylization, as swirling brushstrokes reflect exuberant patterns of clouds, trees, flowers and swelling ears of wheat. For these artists, late style meant an encounter, one terrible, the other joyful, with the hyper-real.
1: And what is it that causes this shift in later life? A perfect blend of circumstance and psychology, we argued.
0: And no composer exemplifies this more vividly than Beethoven. Deafness to the world of real sound gave Beethoven the freedom to create hitherto undreamed-of new sound worlds, and that played into his vaulting ambition to address posterity. His late works were deeply symbolic, sometimes seeming, through sheer technical illusionism, to make time stand still as though he wanted to extend his own life.
1: And that's the final chord from us this week and the end of our tasting menu. Don't forget you can read all of our articles mentioned in this week's issue and find our other podcasts online. Keep sending us your feedback by email to radio at In London, this is The Economist.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.